0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al uh, Warren. Mr. Michael Hawley is back from the coronation. How was it? Great, right, Al. Uh, the coronation, I wash it from Buffalo. <laughs> I thought you were there. I thought you were one of the personal I actually there. am supposed to go there in the summer for, uh, uh, was it, uh, Unsolved Mysteries has asked me to do some stuff. So, But it's wrong timing. I wish it was right during the coronation. Well, I thought, I thought King Charles actually invited you. Yeah, he did. Uh, but uh, I just said no, uh, because the Pope asked me to go somewhere else, and I just, you know, I didn't. Yeah, plan. Pope, uh, King, Pope, King. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you were supposed to carry his train. He had a longer train than most most women at a bride, you know, and wedding. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. I love that carriage or whatever, that gold thing. That was awesome. But, you know, you got next we'll have Kid Rock shooting up a British beer because the, the king was wearing makeup in a train. <laughs> oh, I tell you, that's crazy. Crazy world up there. Mm-hmm. Now, now, yeah, now, speaking of crazy, <laughs> um, we've got a writer, returning writer, and I guess we call him science fiction. And his new Sci fi thriller, right? Sci fi thriller, yes. This is the one that keeps you going. His new book is called The Price of Rebellion. And it's, of course, book two in his Price of Trilogy series, Michael C. Bland. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having me. Nice speaking with you. Michael, when you're doing a series like this, when you you have a book one and some things happen and stuff like that, do you know did you know ahead of time you were going to be doing a book two and knew what you wanted to do? was this is this kind of all planned as a series or does it just happen afterwards?
1: Um not initially, at least when I was planning the the first book, but the way that the first one ended it opened up a bigger world. It's a complete story, the first one, but it opened up kind of my really bad analogy is like the movie The Matrix, the first one where, you know, Neo goes through and becomes the one, and at the end, after defeating the agent, he then gets in the phone booth and goes, hey, this is going to be really interesting to see what happens next, right? Well, that's what, as as I was writing the first book, that's the ending I kept getting to, was there's a bigger world that I've created, whether I consciously planned it or not. So after the first one was done, then I started mapping out books two and book three, and everything is all now mapped out. I know what how everything ends but you know initially no the plan was not to do the trilogy um especially for a debut novel to be the first of a trilogy was a little was a a lot to take on but i'm really pleased with pleased with
0: the results so far so you fell in love with the protagonist yeah
1: with the protagonist and a number of the the main characters yes
0: and the world
1: yeah oh it's it's a kind of a scary world in a way that i that i created because i really think an a version of it really could come to pass
0: oh Oh, it makes us feel comfortable.
1: Yeah, exactly. I've had a few people go, "Thank you." I haven't really been able to sleep some nights after reading your book. In a good way, just just in terms of the, the technology, because it's all about how we can be. We're already tracked and we're already watched to a degree. And I'm not. I'm not sitting here with a tinfoil hat on, just so you know. Um, but it's just right now. It's not as invasive as. It could be in 30 years from now, 25, 30 years from now, how invasive is it going to be? How much is it going to be where we are tracked and monitored and, and gauged and, you know, manipulated in ways we don't realize? And it's all where it, it gets out of our control and we don't have a say with it anymore.
0: It is amazing when I, like even on Facebook, if, if I go on, let's say, Amazon to buy something, next thing you know, on Facebook, all those things come up as advertising. <laughs> it really is.
1: Well, not, not only that, but my wife and I were talking about going to Iceland. We were talking about want to go for a trip and want to go to Iceland. First time I then pull up Facebook and everything Iceland trip uh, ads. Oh,
0: really? Yeah.
1: Never had a single ad for it. So you know, Zuckerberg claiming that
0: it doesn't listen. Yeah, don't believe. It. Oh boy. <laughs> well, I don't know. My mind was showing me cock rings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> But, you know, when you're doing a, a book like this, of you know, of all seriousness, when you're doing this, you, you also, like, you. it sounds like the story's important. Like, you've got a story, you've built this big world, but your characters, your main character has to have some sort of evolution, some sort of growth and change. So the story has to affect your character in, in a way that you want them to change, I would guess. How, how complicated is that to plan out? It's,
1: it's really complicated because it's very easy to just go, okay, plot A, B, C, D, E happens. But if you don't have, one, characters you care about, and then two, the characters grow, you're not going to really care about the story as much. It's not going to resonate as much. And for me, it was very important to have that character element, and especially in this particular one because with the first book, as we've shown in the first book, Dre, the main character, what really drives him is protecting his two daughters. And that relationship with them, and especially in that kind of a world where you're being so tracked and so monitored, and if something happens, how do you protect those you love? How do you protect your kids? How do you, you know, what do you do? And so then that evolves then into the second book where he is now stepping into a larger role. He is now stepping into a larger fight and larger battle. And so he still then has that conflict between that larger battle and still wanting to protect his
0: kids. Even when you're uh, protecting the kids, even if the kids uh, have done something wrong, mm-hmm. is, that, is that a kind of a, an issue too?
1: Yeah, uh, it, it is because you you, know, you you still love your kids, even if you know they they do something wrong. You might go, well, you're an idiot for doing that, but you still want to protect them. So that's that is definitely you know a, a struggle
0: with it you think about what you want your character to go through uh for growth or for for as a character before kind of the setting or, or what you're going to have the story itself
1: well i still have uh, the way my mind works is i, I primarily do the main events, the main things that i want to happen in the story but then my second thought is then how does that impact Dre, what is he, how does he respond? And frankly, sometimes he does things that I'm like, no, you really shouldn't, but it fits the character and it screws my story a little bit. But that's where it also gets really interesting is the conflict and that balance between, you know, the the fight per se and then his internal fight and with the characters and how they drive him sometimes in ways that he um, didn't plan. And in fact, in this book, in the Price Rebellion, there's a there's a part where he has to really, he is forced to make a choice between fighting the rebellion and chasing a desperate hope.
0: Now, when you get into the dialogue, now this is um, in the year 2047, so when you're doing dialogue, have you made some sort of, let's say, um, progression in language and, let's say, uh, slang and stuff? Because, you know, we all have slang words now. People are, you know... They, they say things like heart and they say things differently now than they did 10 years ago. And that there's different slang. or do, do you kind of make up slang or do you just avoid that?
1: Uh, um, I mostly avoided it. There's one of the characters that she kind of speaks a little bit in her own language. Actually, I take that back. There are two characters that kind of do. So I, I touched on it. But one, I'll, I'll admit that's not my strength. Two, it was very, it fit really for those specific characters. But then I didn't want it to have. I didn't want it to negatively influence the story itself. Because if you throw too much slang into too many things, then you're at least for me as a reader, I have to stop and go, what did that mean? What is that? Does that make sense? So instead I I really want to make sure that the story flows and it works. And so having it for two of the characters, yes, but not not for all of them. Because also I thought that might end up being really confusing.
0: Your technology, how do you go twenty years ahead?
1: A lot of research. Do a lot of research of what we what scientists are starting to create now um and what they're you know building on in fact one of the things that's kind of eerie is so one of the um pieces of technology that was everyone has a small implant in their head and with the second book it starts with a timeline that kind of describes how that came to be well now elon musk he was after i issued the first book um was talking about how he's working on this implant in, in people's heads and that kind of stuff well that's just the very starting point of 25 years from now, it could be this much more advanced technological implant that really adds to people's lives and at the same time manipulates them.
0: So like AI, I mean, that's really intelligent computers.
1: Uh, an element of it. Um, I don't have AI in this story. I kind of think that AI can be its own <laughs> its own story or trilogy or, or nightmare. <laughs> so, you know, it's you kind of pick your battles, right? So, you know, definitely want to make sure that this, I focus more on the technology and the surveillance and the monitoring and the tracking, that kind of surveillance, as well as some of the, the weaponry, some of the, the things on that side, which, you know, really some of the things are already kind of using drones for, and, you know, so I have an element of that in this as well. And it, I, I try to make sure there was nothing that was real stretch from where we could end up being.
0: So AI could be in the next book.
1: It really could. And I've already kind of dabbled. I'm like, do I? Do I not? But then is that more reactive to kind of what's going on? So I don't think it will, but there might be a little hint of it because that's starting to uh, become part of our near future.
0: So I have a question about between when this happens and present. Did you in your world uh, have any kind of uh, uh, dramatic things happen? not like maybe World War Three, but some events that they talk about or anything? Oh uh,
1: Yes, there are some major events, and that's where that timeline goes through some of the main events because to have everyone adopt having a, a small implant in their head, that's, that's a pretty big ask. And so some major events happen um, that set that stage as part of the world that, that we are in, which, you know, especially in light of... You know, having a global pandemic right after the release of the first book, that. And I think this may be another unsettling kind of thought, but I, I think there might be worse bugs out there than COVID, and that could be much more, uh, you know, deadly to humanity. Well, that's the dystopian in me, but it very well could. Now, will that happen? I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did.
0: Right, right. Just don't don't use Michael's bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> like push, right? Yeah. Hey, that's okay because I have that lavatory mist. It's called Jack the Ripper lavatory mist. I'm all set. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and now, creating a world, like when you, what's that process like when you create a world? Because you, you obviously based it on, you know, our real world. But how do you take it in places that are different? Like, how do you decide what elements you're going to focus on?
1: Um, it's an it's mostly an element of what, for the most part does serve the story. I mean, if I start talking about something that has absolutely nothing to do with the story and that, okay, well, why why is this author talking about it? So there is an element of it serves the overall story, but with it is also where I can kind of see taking certain elements, um, you know, taking various you know past terrorist attacks, taking the pandemic, taking, um, you know, also, Elements of, I think we are more blended as, uh, as a race than we were 30, 50 years ago. I think that's going to continue going forward. So that is something that I also, you know, kind of, at least in my mind as I'm writing it, had more of a, you know, blended kind of, you know, characters. So it's, it's elements of that. Yet at the same time, I also have some of the music in there that, that I hint at. Um, one of the things, the main character, um, he likes the, the group Silverstone Pickups, which, I don't know if you know them, but they're a good band, but they're, you know, they're popular now. Well, I listen to bands from 25, 30 years ago, so it didn't seem out of the realm to throw a song or two from them, hinting at that in, in the first book, because, you know, it's not, we're not in silos. It's not like we're not going to listen to today's music 25 to 30 years. I mean, I did cheat a little bit. It's, it's near future. It's 25 plus 25 or so years from now. It's not, 500 years from now and everyone is, is, you know, hanging out in on the moon and all that stuff. It's relatable. And so that also, you know, I, I hope that that allows the reader to dive into the story and make, you know, have a little, have an element of the familiar as the story goes on.
0: Did you have something in mind you wanted the reader to take away from the book or from the series? Each one probably being a little different each, each volume of the series, but is there something you wanted, um, the reader to get, or was it just pure entertainment?
1: The, my main driver is entertainment, but there are underlying themes and uh, and that kind of thing. The first book was really about how technology uh, can be used. It's you know it, it's a tool. It can be used for good or ill, and if we aren't careful, it could be used against us in ways we are not even aware of today. the The second one, um, a major theme with it is determining what. And who you can believe, which is a real struggle for the main character and some of the secondary characters as well, as well as committing for a cause and the toll that that takes. I mean, there's some levity in it and Dre has a love interest in the second one and, and that kind of thing. So it's not all heavy handed and, and try to definitely have that balance and especially with a lot of action and all that. But there are those underlying themes and, you know, which I hope that the reader does
0: take away from it you mean believing in certain things you hear you don't know what to believe gets worse
1: <laughs> although everything on the internet is 100% true. so there's
0: that <laughs> 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 nothing <laughs> about <available to> would wish <laughs> thing <laughs> it's on TikTok. it's real all oh, that too yes it has to be like <laughs> did you get into that like uh, into online apps and, and what people are doing trending wise you stay away from that totally
1: I try to stay away from it um partly because um Every free moment I have is pretty much with writing and editing. Um, In fact, there are some books that I have set aside I can't wait to start reading. After this third book, I'll actually take a a short break and actually read a a few of them. But I also know it's a very slippery slope. And, you know, I'm on Facebook and and Instagram, and I kind of limit myself to that because the the TikTok and the Twitter, I just feel like I could get down into such a rabbit hole where, I'm no longer productive at all.
0: You you already know how many how many uh, books you're going to have in this series, or you're not sure yet? Nope, it's a trilogy. Oh, you so you know?
1: And I know how it ends. Um, I know um, what happens, <laughs> everyone's fate, um, and uh, I think there's I some I have some really good twists in the second one. I think there's I some really good twists in the third as well, um, and I'm really excited for um, to see how people react to uh, the trilogy and the
0: conclusion. But you or know in, all trilogies have prequels, too. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. Then you got to do your prequels. That, that's
1: true. And then a, a, a sequel trilogy. That's true. <laughs> uh, so, and, and there, the story is written, the world I've created, while I have that timeline that's only like a two, three-page timeline, there's a lot I can fill in on a prequel. So it's just going to be like Star Wars. It could be, but no lightsabers, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> but you could have completely different characters, but the same world. Yeah.
1: Really good, and I also then have had a thought about the the sequel, uh, what I, or a book after the trilogy with at least one of the characters from this trilogy. But we'll we'll see. I mean, right, right now I just uh, I want to make sure that I uh, stick the landing. You know, especially with the the third book, going back to the original Matrix. My personal thing is the first one was great, the second one was decent, the third almost ruined the whole thing. Um, so I definitely want to avoid <laughs> that kind of. That's just my own opinion. I definitely want to make sure yeah. that I don't. Do that with this, um, because I think that it's, um, has a lot of potential, so.
0: That same thing like the Dune. Dune, the first Dune was the best, then it got worse.
1: Right? Yeah, so I definitely want to avoid that. And, and, uh, with this one, uh, if, if it's a sign in the right direction, um, it actually recently won Best Science Fiction Novel of the Year by, by Indies Today. So that was a really nice reward to, to get. Well,
0: how do you avoid that? I mean, when you say that, um, you know, the first one, second one's good, then the third one, oh my god, and and Dune, second one, ooh, you know, there's all these things like that. How do you how do you avoid that? And what is it that you need to avoid? Like how how come it becomes so bad, or what wrecks a series?
1: Oh, I don't I don't know. And actually, I think I almost. Almost did this, but I had a really good um, uh, beta reader. Actually, my dad, when he first read the draft for this, the second one, he's like, look, the first chapter is great. The next 40 pages, I didn't care. I was like, ouch. Well, what happened was, looking back and reading it, yeah, thanks, Dad. But he, is that when you poisoned his dinner? Yeah, right, yeah. No, I, no, I just uh, read it. No, um, but he was right, though, because what I was doing was I started to create this side subplot that I thought might be interesting and i it didn't it it wasn't it distracted from the story and so that was a really good lesson to for me to remember not only when i redid that whole section and now it's way so much better uh, but then with the third book is and i'm also i like i said i have the whole thing plotted out but i'm going back right now and i'm kind of uh putting myself to the ringer does this does this work? Does this make sense? Is this as good as it could be? All of that before I start writing it at all just to try to avoid it. I don't have a magic magic answer. Um I just know you know some of the things that have been bad. And also, you know, listening to your beta readers is a huge part.
0: So that's your magic is dad. That. So that's your magic. He
1: is a big part of the magic, yes. And he you know, <laughs> love him. He he did not pull any punches and it's what I needed. And so it's and he's not the only one. I, uh, my sister's been fantastic. This guy, uh, Robert Kerbeck is a fellow writer. Uh, he, he's been uh, he's a successful nonfiction writer. He, in um, fiction, and he's a. We'll go back and forth through chapters, and he gives me blunt, great notes um, just to help elevate it. For any writers out there listening, one of the biggest things: get someone who will not pull any punches and will tell you everything that's good and everything that's bad. That doesn't mean that. Everything they say is going to be correct in terms of what um, you know uh, what they say works and doesn't work. But and usually what it's what it is is what they say doesn't work is correct, but their solution may not be right. Right. So that's sounds that like you then have to know what part to listen to and what not. But that doesn't mean it. It's just usually about 95 percent of what they
0: say is correct. Well, I still say father knows best. So it sounds like he's doing his best job. He is, he is definitely doing <laughs> his job. That's only because you have 20 kids. (laughs) (laughs) I stopped at 18. What are you trying to say? (laughs) The last two look like the mailman. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Yeah, but who pays for them? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, you know, I think the idea is when someone reads and gives you their opinion like that, your dad or the beta readers, the idea is to make you think. Mm -hmm. It, It brings attention to something, and then you think about it. And sometimes you figure out where to go, and sometimes it doesn't need changing, but it's just... It gives you a realization of what someone might think when they're reading your book, right? Exactly, and in a point of view that
1: you didn't think of. You're like, why did you even come up with that? But it made you, yeah. you stop to go,
0: oh, wait a minute, maybe I need, maybe I need
1: to express it this way. Maybe I need to change this,
0: because you must be surprised. I know I am at times at what some readers will pick out in your story, what and how they'll think it's it's being told. Like they have a a totally different mindset of what they think you're telling them or mm-hmm. what's happening in the story than what you intend it you, oh, yeah. you must get some real being a science fiction writer, you must get some real weird suggestions
1: oh but it's fascinating it's, it's fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> I love everyone it because it it's you know it it becomes a really interesting conversation, and I love that they're it's impacting enough too that they're taking something out of it and that they're Excited about something with the, the worst reaction is oh yeah I read your book and I don't, know, I, don't I don't remember a thing about it right luckily I've had that
0: at least no one said that to me well actually I read your book and more I set you up but yeah listen so so we talk a little bit about what you don't like but in a series that goes wrong or maybe what is it you like about science fiction book oh it's a great great
1: question I love the the surprise but it has to be earned you know the, the surprise that whoa where I didn't realize that that was going to happen, but and then when you start to think about it, you're like, oh, the author did kind of set enough of the stage so it does that it, it works, but it surprised me, and that also makes me think about the world a little bit differently.
0: And hence the thriller part, aspect of
1: it. Yeah, that's true. I, I definitely gravitate, gravitate towards thrillers. Um The ones where, you know, a, a character sits around and just, you know, sips coffee and contemplates life. No, that's not the kind of story that I like. And I'm also very aware that in this day and age, especially, I'm fighting for your attention with everything, with the Internet, with podcasts, with, you know, TikTok, with everything. So I need to grab your attention and hold it.
0: Oh, and podcasts are terrible. <laughs> I thought you liked that. Yeah, they're terrible. I, it's just awful. Yeah, some people. Um, you know, but so when when do you, do you think about, how do I say this, are you conscious of how you write the violence and the sex in the story on the page. Are, are you thinking about how you place it and what you actually dictate in, in those circumstances?
1: I, I do. I, I'm definitely not the type that I am you know, do violence and, and gore. Um, and there's, there's violence, but I try to have it that it's every single thing is for a reason. Definitely don't do it just because. Um, you know, I'm talking about some heavy things and, and fighting and, and you know, life and death type of thing. So violence is, is a part of it. Um, but it's also part of life, to a degree, unfortunately. And in, you know, places it's more so than others and more than we might, we might want. But so I'm trying to reflect life as it is. Um, as far as the, the sex part, if it is part of it, then great. You know, also I don't throw, you know, sex in just, because, even though, hey, sex is always great, who needs an excuse, right? But um, in terms of a story, you definitely want to try to, you know, you want to make sure that it is there for a, a purpose, for a reason. Right, because you want it to be, um, it's got to make se- sense to the to the story. It ha- everything has to serve the story. If sex doesn't serve the story, then you don't have it. If it does, then you have it. Well,
0: you'd be like Mike and have it anyway. <laughs> Well, that's just because I say yes here because I'm afraid of her. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. So the evil characters, how is it that you write them, and how do you come up with them, the people that do the bad things, and at the same time as when you're writing and thinking about them, how do you explain, or do you find it important to explain, why they feel and do the things they do?
1: You definitely want to give, or for me, I... Um... For me, the best villains are ones that have a reason. And for them, they, they're they the heroes of their own story. They don't think they're bad. They don't think that they're, you know, they, they might do things that, okay, that not everyone would potentially do, but, gee, that's why I'm on this wall or that's why I am, you know, serving this role because it's dirty work, it has to be done, but I'm, I'm a hero because I am doing this for what I think are the right reasons. And those, to me, are the most interesting villains because – you could hopefully if it's done right, you could empathize with them or at least understand why they're doing it. They might you may not agree, but you can understand. And that's the most interesting part to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I think you'll like you know, the characters, even though they're bad or doing bad things, if you can understand them. If you understand where they're coming from.
1: Yes. And and if I can have a, a personal element to it, then that also just then elevates it a little more. It adds more conflict, more uh, struggle between the, especially the main character and the antagonist if there's a, a personal element to it as well
0: so do you use people and ones you've met or know or acquaintances um in your book as characters i, I try not to
1: i'm sure subconsciously i do <laughs> um you know it's it's Right? I mean, you almost can't, you know, especially if you run into someone and they have some quirk or trait or you're like, oh, man, they, this guy's really cool or, you know, this woman is fascinating to talk to. We well, want to try to get characters that are like that. So there's definitely an element with that. But I don't – the only one that I really consciously crafted to a degree out of, a, out of real – you know, out of someone alive or previously alive was the main character, Dre, who – he was inspired by my two grandparents, uh, grandfathers, because they were both engineers. One was a metallurgist, and in fact was one of the best in the in the world uh, at at his, at the time. Um, and he tried to um, after Pearl Harbor tried to enlist in the, the army and was turned down when they discovered his skills. And he ended up helping build uh, battleships. My other grandfather was a chemical engineer. And he also tried to enlist after Pearl Harbor was also turned down because of his skills and ended up at a bomb making factory down in Texas during the war. Oh. Yeah. My grandmother kept, go- kept, you know, said that she kept waiting to hear a in the distance of, you know, the factory blowing up because it was so, you know, dangerous. But those two, I, I, I massively admire them, what they did both during the war and, and in their careers and what they did. And so that's, he was, they were both my inspiration with Dre.
0: So which evil character did you um you know style after after Robert Kerbeck? Well
1: you know he might be listening to this um well I'll send it to him. Yeah, I'm
0: sure, yeah, because I know
1: he's been on as well. Um so I I, I the best. But I did
0: have one after a, a guy who has a podcast. Oh, ah. good. <laughs> uh, yeah! I know, I know which one. That one. Is. Well, the old one. Yeah, the old one. That's <laughs> the beans from my hand. It is <laughs> That's an old, old thing. You know, getting too old. Now, when you say thriller, what is it that's thriller to you? Do you actually um, let the reader know the bad thing that's happened, but you know they they don't the the good guys in the story don't know it? Is it that kind of thriller?
1: No, it's more thriller in terms of in terms of pace, in terms of action, in terms of, of events that happen. To me, that's more of the the thriller aspect to it. Um, it's more sci-fi.
0: How do you decide what rules apply? I make it up as I go along.
1: I guess you can. Right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> that is one one benefit of being the the author. Of course, until my publisher then their their editor gets a hold of it. No, you can't do that. It.
0: So it has to make sense.
1: Absolutely, it has to make sense. And that's one of my big things. And I'm sure you as well as the, the listeners have all had a, at least one or two stories you read. And you're going along, and, okay, it's fine, it's fine. And then the author makes some leap. And you're like, what? Oh, no, She can't suddenly fly or whatever. Right? And I hate those. It always throws me out of the story. So I really, that, that's a big reason also why I outline head of things. I want to make sure with this world that I've created and the rules that are in it, that everything that happens, it makes sense. And hopefully I've surprised you a few times, but even after it happens, it still makes sense, and I've justified it all.
0: Well, how do you distinguish between... Um, there's so many brands of science fiction now, and we've interviewed hard science fiction writers who are really intense, mm-hmm. and we've done a lot of fantasy mm-hmm. and urban fantasy, and there's all these variances, and they're all, to me, because I'm old enough, and it, it, even Michael would be that... You know, the old science fiction kind of included all of it. Now there's all these subcategories. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you how do you yourself decide what is what and where you go?
1: Um it really was dictated by the world that I created for the first book. So everything else stems from that. I mean if suddenly in the second one a alien spaceship lands, no, you're the reader's gonna be you're gonna throw the book across the room. Like, no, he didn't he didn't introduce aliens. This isn't a uh, um, you know, a story dealing with aliens. So there's nothing wrong with them. I mean, there there's some great stories out there. I'm just saying my, my trilogy is based on the world that I created. And so it goes back to those rules. If you then start breaking those rules, it doesn't work. If I suddenly introduce time travel, that also, no, no, that doesn't doesn't fit in this story. doesn't mean I won't write a story dealing with time travel, but that won't be this trilogy, that kind of thing.
0: So how do you create your dialogue? Like, do you hear... Your characters in your head, Do you play um, it back in your mind, or how is the dialogue written? I, I try to have everyone have a slightly different voice
1: because uh, if they all have the same voice, all speaking patterns, then that then it doesn't doesn't flow. It's
0: boring, yeah.
1: right? So I definitely, there there's some that they're in that do kind of speak in my head. In fact, two of the characters, the ones with the uh, with the kind of slang we we're talking about earlier, those just left in my. I just started typing, and suddenly I'm like, "What the heck did I just write?" Because these characters just like took over, which is crazy, but it fit. And it also, they leap off the page even more as a result. Um, a couple others, the way their cadence is, the way that um, they, they talk, some of them will just a normal sentence, the way they'll say it's slightly different, not as bad as like Yoda does, but you know what I'm saying? Some element that it's like, okay, just slightly different and just helps differentiate. The, the different characters. They're just In my mind, how someone speaks also reflects some of their character. Someone who speaks in big, highfalutin words is going to be different than someone else who, you know, draws and, hey, y'all, and you know, every other third word is a curse word, right? It's just that, that reflects of someone's character and their, the way they are. So I try to use,
0: try to use that as well um, to help give. Wow. So when they come in and take over, do, do they still let you drive? No. <laughs> no, Are you waking up in the middle of the night with a shovel by your bed?
1: Well, you know that's why I try to be kind to you know. Um, yeah, but but it's funny because one of them, I this guy Garley, who was originally just a very minor character in the first book, but when I then started to have you know, started to have him speak, he just left on his page in terms of how he would speak and what he did and everything else. And so he, I brought him back into the second book because he was so much fun. And it fit also with the story. And and so I was glad. It was was really fun to be able to bring him back.
0: Or do these characters sometimes, they're so strong that they actually go off the rails, they take control of what they want to do in their story?
1: A little bit. I try, since I plot it all out, I'm able to rein them in to a degree. But now sometimes they start to go, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Or I go, wait a minute, maybe I can play with this And, and add it in. And help them and like for example that guy girly you know he became such a bigger character and in the second book second book he plays a a pretty good-sized role in it as a result
0: what an interesting process you know Um, interesting frustrating at times (laughs) yeah I was gonna say I was gonna say do you ever what does it do for you so when you complete like you've got book 2 now it's done it's out and and so what does it do for you? How has it changed you?
1: Um, it is given me, a, a one, a huge sense of accomplishment to be able to not only write a book, but to get it, to have a publisher publish it, and then to get such positive feedback. First of all, it makes you go, oh, okay, maybe actually I can write. Because <laughs> you don't know. There's not like you're, you know, there's a... Tribunal that says, "Okay, you have passed. You are now officially a writer," kind of thing. Oh, they didn't invite you. Oh, there is one. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's definitely that element of it, and, and it's something that I just—I love it. It speaks to my soul. It's just this: is, if I win the lottery tomorrow, this is all I'm doing is, is writing. Well, I'm traveling,
0: but writing. Yeah. So screw the day job. Go write. Oh, writing. see you. Bye. You know, see you. <laughs> day done. You know, like that person that wins that hundred million dollars, and they go, "Oh, I'm just going to keep on working."
1: Yeah, no, that means
0: <laughs> I have I, I some, I, I, you know, a
1: good day job, and, and I really, you know, some great people I work with. But see you, bye. No, I'm out. And am there. No, they actually know that too. They, they know that. They're like, we really hope your new book doesn't do well because you are afraid you're just going to quit and
0: work full time. So, how about screenplays then?
1: That is uh, another area I would love. Um, it, I've talked with my publisher about it um, the thing is she's thinking that and the main publisher the person I talk with that she's thinking that my series works better as like a limited series like on Netflix or or, or prime only because she's like if, you know just if you realize that hey if they make a movie out of it they're just gonna have to cut a lot of stuff so I would not mind either really my biggest thing is I just want to make sure it's good quality you know that it's not You know, someone that is, you know, you can see something in the background with strings hanging there. You know, the CGI is really bad. You know, that kind of thing. That You know, the dialogue is suddenly painful. You know, I just want that whatever it is, it becomes, that it's it's well done.
0: But it's a good time because a lot of that streaming you can uh, binge watch. Yeah. Binge watch. Uh, I like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think my story... Um, especially the first two and then the third one as well, if it goes as I plan, I think it really would work well as, like, okay, A-limited series. And then, honestly, they could, hey, if they want to buy the rights, they can then continue on and script the ending like Game of Thrones. Bless you. <laughs> I know.
0: It's... Right? I Again, speaking of the ending. The
1: ending, the ending was can't... so important.
0: Yes. I mean, Game of Thrones was so great, and then boom.
1: <laughs> and they just rushed it. Like, why? No one else wanted to rush it. Why did you
0: yeah, but the, I think that see that's something you're going to have to realize that in the business that's what goes on that's just what happens um, because they 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 quite often do one season one series and then if it's really done well and everybody takes to it really well then you're stuck with doing another one so they they take a lot of creative process on their own.
1: Oh, I can't imagine. I'm, I'm sure they're just like we're done. We've had too many seats, like what eight seasons, and they're just we want to do something else. Not blame them, but you know, too bad they couldn't just like hand it off to someone else. But I know that's way easier selling them.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's there's always there's a lot of investors and money behind it, so it just ends up going wherever they want it to go.
1: And they didn't call me, so you know, I have no say.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. usually what happens. You know. Maybe they just didn't have my number. Well, well, tell people. Listen, he's looking for a screenplay, and he's looking for to be on one of the networks. Let's go. Yeah, it's us Or it's too late. Writing, um, see, I enjoyed writing my own screenplay on one of mine, Uh, and I see that you've been doing some editing as well. Mm -hmm. I wondered if you'd enjoy writing a screenplay.
1: I've thought about it. Um, I know it's a different beast, though, right? It's a different way of... Present tense, I remember that one. No past tense, all present tense. (laughs) And and you, you have a, you describe some of the setting, but you also leave room for the director to kind of do their own. Thing and all that, from what I understand, that's kind of the extent of it. So right now, I'm sticking to the the third book, and really, like I said, I want to make sure to get the third book as as strong and as as well done as possible. And then we'll we'll see, and if it's an element of hey, we want to you know option your stories, but you know, we want your you know input with the screenplay screenplay or once you start working on it, okay, you know I'm. More willing, yeah. but uh, right now, I guess, you know, I'm kind of, before I get too distracted, I first just want to focus on, you know, uh, getting this one out so that people know about it and then getting book three done. Go
0: so in order. And plus, you know, when they, when they do contact you, it, I, I am really busy, but if they really insist, I can play the lead.
1: Okay, that's good to know. I was going to ask, so.
0: Yeah, throw, <laughs> throw my name at them and they'll be like, oh, we're on it. Yeah, we're well, I'm, I'm sure they'll be get your number, so. Yeah, Dre, Dre Warren, there it is. Yes. Yeah, they'll they'll be on it. Like uh, I, I'm telling you, this just will not. They'll they'll be all over it. They'll want to sign you up for everything you're going to write from now on. All
1: right, good. Glad <laughs> it and you can be the main yeah. character.
0: Yeah, I'm the main character. <laughs> I'm the old lady that gets killed in the episode. <laughs> gets pushed down and ate by a dragon. That's me.
1: Well you're but you're a character, so that's
0: all that matters. Yeah. Cameo raw. I'm in there and that's all that matters. You know?
1: <laughs> Can't take that away. Uh, yes. No.
0: No, please. Uh, so now, okay. So where can people find you? Your website, your uh, your books, your social media? Yep, absolutely. Um
1: MCBland.com it, that is my website. That's the main area. You can sign up for my newsletter that way. Um, you can uh, see about um, you know, the novels and what I have going on. I have a blog on there That's I admit I've been really bad about writing recently because I've been so focused on the book. Um, also, I'm like I said, on Instagram, at uh, mcbland107. I'm also on Facebook. You can look for me there. And i um, love to... Be in touch with everyone.
0: Yeah, well, we'll make sure everything's up on the website, so people can find it with one click. That'd be great. You know, make it easy for everyone. So, you must have been writing this complete book over the uh, pandemic. Yeah. It, how was that? Was it? Because I know a lot of writers we talked to. It was like, yeah, not a problem. I'm. I like to be alone anyway, and I don't care. And I see that, but do you, did, because you're writing kind of dystopian sort of world and, and science fiction and stuff, did, did the events affect the, the mood of the setting of what you were writing, you think? Yeah, it did. Uh, it did. Now, I, as I
1: mentioned, I wrote actually the rough draft right before the pandemic, which had good and bad to it. Um, because once the pandemic started, my day job, I had to put the book aside. I mean, I put it aside for like six months. So when I first pulled it out, it was almost like someone else had, had written it. So I was able to get a better perspective than, especially after, uh, you know, dad's comments. Um, but it did also, as I was going back and rewriting it, as well as um, editing it and adding to it, it definitely did add a darker element, darker tone to it. And frankly, during the pandemic, it was freaking me out a little bit. I'm like, I could have written something like this. What the, what, except, not as lame. I'm mean, going okay, this big pandemic, and I'm, you know, I barely am out of my sweatpants the whole time. I mean, that's, you yeah, know, it's like, wow, I'm, you know, near the end of the world, and, you know, I've got my sweatpants and my, you know, Star Wars T-shirt. Wow, that's really well more comfortable. It you know. is more comfortable, but, you know, <laughs> at the same time, you know, it's not like I'm, you know, leading some kind of, you know, I'm not I'm Mad Max going across the, the desert in a, you
0: know, right. big yeah. car. Right. You yeah, know, so there's <laughs> definitely now. This this sounds silly, but for someone me, my age, mm-hmm. I was thinking that um, people acted really strangely. Like the, the the whole society seemed to be weird. You know, you had some guy yelling at the the lady at the front of Costco because he wouldn't wear a mask, and he had all this stuff going on, and it was really tense. Mm-hmm. And that, I didn't expect that kind of behavior. You know what I mean? Like this this behavior that was going on was kind of um, it was really shocking.
1: It was revelatory, wasn't it? Because it yeah. showed different sides of people. Because this was something that, at least as far as I'm aware, no one's ever experienced. No one's ever had where the entire economy is in essence shutting down and, and we're, right. such, we're such social creatures and stay at least six feet apart and wear a mask and don't touch and slather your body and, and uh, you
0: know. Well, I'm getting excited. <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. No. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying about really...
1: Being distant from each other and being very aware. And then you have some areas of the country that, no, we're going to throw up and don't wear a mask and other areas that do. And, and a disjointed, you would have thought if you would have asked me five years before the pandemic, I would have thought that we would have come together as a, as people because that's what I look after 9 11.
0: Like 9 like 11. Yeah. 9 yeah,
1: 11. Yeah. We all came together. It seemed like that there was at least for a brief period of time. Um, yeah. we were all. We're all on the same side. We are all with the same goal, and the pandemic didn't show a different side.
0: Which yeah, yeah, and and what I what I think is I don't know that because you write these types of books, you're into this this science fiction area.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you wrote that in a book, let's say the pandemic never happened and we haven't lived it, or it's nineteen ninety five, or whatever you you right. want to do it. Right. And you wrote a book about a pandemic hitting, and you wrote the stories of the, of the unrest and the way that we saw it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would kind of go, oh, yeah, that's not the believable.
1: Right.
0: You know? You're absolutely right. That's, that's kind of what freaks me out because it, it almost seems unreal.
1: It's because we also want, as in general, I think we all want to hope the best for each other, and then we would hope that we would all rise as a, as a people to the best of ourselves but of course that's not the reality and that's why to write a fiction book that would reflect that i think would be a, a very tough sell or at least not really popular because how many people would want to read that there were reactions the way that they actually were
0: yeah and i think that's kind of that's kind of it because in fiction you can always kind of satisfy the, the reader and even yourself by having Justice served, so to speak, or, you know, have a, an ending that's at least hopeful, right? You can at least have some justice served against the evil people in the story, but right. in the real life, I guess it just doesn't always happen that way. And so we're kind of in that limbo. I was just wondering if you in the middle of it, if, if it would kind of make it darker. That's all. That's kind of an interesting concept.
1: Yeah. And, and they're definitely, as when your listeners read, read the end of the book, it's, you know, that doesn't, there is a darker element to it, uh, right? But again, I, and honestly, I think one thing that helped is I did already have it all planned out though before. Because if I had started uh, writing the second book after the pandemic started, and I started from that standpoint, I think to where you're going to go with this, I think it would have been a much darker, and honestly, probably a, a much more, um, you know, judgmental towards people in general. Just because I had really hoped that. As a society, we would have responded better than we did. And trust me, I'm not saying that I'm was any angel by any means. I'm, I'm like any. No, I oh. saw you screaming at those ladies at well, the you They won't get out of my way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, but that's it just. I think it worked out the way that it did in the best way, at least for me.
0: Uh, well, not only that, you know, when you talk to historians, you start finding out about the first pandemic. It was the same thing. Mm-hmm. you know there were cities that would declare no masks and other ones that did and of course there was lots of problems back then too we just don't know about it because we weren't around
1: well or just never stop to go back and
0: read about it I mean right.
1: why would in 2016 would someone have been like, gee, what was the last pandemic like? why don't go back and read I mean why, why would you for yeah. say unless you were gonna write a book about a pandemic
0: yeah yeah, yeah it's strange you know um, but it sure opened my eyes now to people that's all it's just yeah. a different. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm more cautious now, you know, especially if sci-fi writers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can't trust those
1: guys at all.
0: No, they're the ones you got it. You know, they got that shifty look. Or do they know something you don't? Yeah, they've got that look in their eye that they they plan something and don't. Don't let them out of your sight. I'll uh, yeah, remember, he can put you in his book and off you. that's, so. I, 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 that's been done before. <laughs> but if you do, make sure it's really painful and it's long and torturous.
1: And yeah, it's kind of an epic, epic <laughs> yeah. blaze of glory to go on in.
0: Yeah, yeah I want to bleed out for the whole book. For an know. entire chapter. Oh, you want yeah, the oh, okay. At the beginning of the book, I'm caught and strung up. And each chapter, you just mentioned how a little more is let out, and they burned something else, and they tortured something else. And by the end, William Wallace, him. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm, yeah, yeah, like, uh, I'm
1: thinking more like a Holy Grail. But I'm not dead yet.
0: not <laughs> <What's that>? dead. <laughs> just a flesh <bedroom. laughs> yeah. wound. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now, now that is classic. There, you go. but there we got it. Well, what can I say, Michael? It's always a pleasure talking to you. And the new book, of course, is called The Price of Rebellion, and it's The Price of Trilogy Book 2. And Michael C. is the author, and it's been our guest, so thank you for coming on the show.
1: Hey, Alan, Mike, thank you for having me on. It's great to be back.
0: Nice speaking with you. You've been listening to the House of Mystery Radio Show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, All shows go to www.houseofmystery.com
1: Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This is Peter
0: Crouches on something way media. I'll be back. (laughs)